Okay, it's Monday. Yeah, happy Monday, y'all. Today is Monday, the September, the September. <laughs> okay, I'm almost recovered from, from yesterday, almost. Let's try again. Today is Monday, September the 13th for 2021, and this is the Daily Podcast Practice Show, where we show up every single day to practice our podcasting, and I am your host, the practicing podcastman, Rich Grimshaw. Today is another milestone. It's not a milestone episode, but it's a milestone in my life because it is 900 days. Yeah, 9 times 100 days until I retire from professional employment. That's right, March 1st, 2024. 900 days from today, I will step away from my duties as a principal forensic engineer at Donan and enter that grand, genteel existence of a retiree and gentleman farmer provided I don't die before then, or grow senile. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it more and more. I'm, I've had a lot of, ang- I, don't, I haven't had a lot of anxiety, but there have been a lot of times when I thought, if I'm not working and doing something productive and I'm just unemployed, is that what I really want? And the more I think about it, and the more that I am intentional about planning for that time when that's the case, yeah, I'm I'm going to be ready for it. I will be ready for it when it comes. I might even be ready for it before it comes, in which case, who knows, I might move the day up. I took a, a long week off uh, the week before the Labor Day holiday, and then, of course, the Monday of the Labor Day holiday, and that was a good long week, and and I enjoyed every single bit of it. Didn't do anything special, just hung around the farm and did odd chores and got caught up on some projects. And I got a lot of satisfaction out of that. There wasn't a single day where I was not happy with myself or my life or my place in the world. So, you know, if I can do that every single day in retirement, yeah, I think I can do that. So for right now, March 1st, 2024 is still the day that I'm going to uh, get out of the business. Also of note today is that it's National Celiac Disease Awareness Day. And this is near and dear to our hearts because Jan has celiac disease. It's a genetic autoimmune disorder in which a person who suffers from this affliction can't consume gluten, a protein found in wheat, rye, and barley. That's right. Jan cannot have gluten. Even a little bit of it throws her whole system and digestive tract into disorder, and it's harmful. Uh, I'm continuing to read from nationaltoday.com here. The afflicted person's immune system responds by attacking the small intestine and inhibiting the absorption of important nutrients. Left undiagnosed and untreated, celiac disease can lead to other disorders, including cancer, osteoporosis, and infertility. Well, and it just makes you feel like shit. Okay, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. It's, It's not a trivial matter at all. And uh, I'm surprised that a lot of people just don't get it. I mean, Jan will tell people that she can't have gluten, that she has celiac disease. And a lot of people think, well, okay, you get a little gluten and you feel a little off, but, you know, what's the harm? That's not it, folks. You get a little gluten and you go nuts. I mean, let's face it. If someone, if, if you knew for certain that if you ate a certain thing, it would make you ill for a full 24 hours and have long-lasting degenerative effects on your body. Would you willingly eat it? Oh, heck no, you wouldn't because you're a smart person. I know you're smart because you're listening to the Daily Podcast Practice Show, okay? The thing is, it it's serious, and Jan takes it serious, and she goes through 
great, great lengths to keep arm's length or greater between her and gluten. And that's just the way it's got to be. Just the way it's got to be. Let's look at a word today, and I'm going to use the word genteel because I used it before and I kind of like it. Genteel is spelled G-E-N-T-E-E-L. Genteel is an adjective, and it means elegant or graceful in manner, appearance, or shape. And I said we just used it in a sentence a minute ago, but let's do another sentence. The parties in the dispute were all gathered in the small chamber, and despite their animosity, greeted each other in a genteel way that belied their strident differences. Genteel. I like that word. It's a bit dated, okay? It, it throws you back to maybe the 19th century, maybe the 18th century. It's not used a lot, certainly, in 21st century dialogue. But still, it's a good word. It's a journeyman's term for those who aspire to a better vocabulary. So try using genteel in in your next YouTube comment. That'll get their attention. Let's turn to the right here. Born on this day in 1660, that's a ways back, author Daniel Defoe, D-E-F-O-E. He was born in London, England. He is notable for being one of the earliest proponents of the novel. I never thought of that. But yeah, the novel, the storybook, had had to come into play at some point. I mean, back in old times, we had epic poems, and we had Chaucer writing whatever he wrote. But those were not novels. But uh, Daniel Defoe was a leading proponent of this literary style, the novel. And so I'm going to read from the website of the City University of New York, uh, CUNY, It says that the novel broke from those narrative predecessors that used timeless stories to mirror unchanging moral truths. It was a product of an intellectual milieu shaped by the great 17th century philosophers Descartes and Locke, who insisted upon the importance of individual experience. They believed that reality could be discovered by the individual through the senses. Thus, the novel emphasized specific, observed details. It individualized its characters by locating them precisely in time and space, and its subjects reflected the popular 18th century concern with the social structures of everyday life. The novel is often said to have emerged with the appearance of Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe in 1719 and Moll Flanders in 1722, both are picaresque stories in that each is a sequence of episodes held together largely because they happen to one person. But the central character in both novels is so convincing and set in so solid and specific a world that Defoe is often credited with being the first writer of realistic fiction. Daniel Defoe was prolific, very prolific. He wrote more than 500 books, pamphlets, and journals on various topics. I don't know that I have ever read any of his writing. I know I've seen the Walt Disney uh, movie, Robinson Crusoe. I was fascinated by that as a youngster when I saw it. In fact, I think I saw it when I was in second grade, which I would be seven years old. Don't tell me how I know that because I'm not going to tell you. But I remember it. It was, it was a big deal for me. Let's take another turn, and we'll go to a question from teambuilding.com. If you could eliminate one word from the English language, what would it be? 
I have no idea. Why would I want to eliminate one word from the English language? If I could eliminate the word, does that mean I would eliminate what the word stands for? For example, if I could eliminate the word hate, does that mean no one would hate each other ever again? I think not. I think this question is just about getting rid of ugly words. And I like all words. I, I don't know that there's any word that is ugly. A lot of people don't like the word moist, but I don't think their aversion to it means that we need to take it out of the English language. I mean, it's it serves a purpose. It irritates people. So let's leave it there. No, I, I don't see any value. I don't see any reason to eliminate a word from the English language. Language is a, a rich form of communication and taking even one word out of it means that we reduce our ability to communicate. And I, I don't see the wisdom in that. So so I'm going to take my lottery ticket to eliminate one word, and I'm going to rip it up, tear it away, throw it in the fire, nay, throw it over the cliff, maybe chew it up and, and swallow it so that no one can ever eliminate not a single word from the English language. That'll be my stance. And with that, we'll bring our episode to a close. That is all for today. We're going to wrap this one up in newspaper, put it in a big brown bag with a big oily stain that lets everyone know it's fresh. <laughs> I think I'm stealing that from uh, from Garrison Keeler, I think, for powder milk biscuits. That's part of his shtick there. But I like it. <laughs> I like the imagery. And after we wrap it up, we're going to stick a fork in it because it's done. I'm Rich Grimshaw, and you are invited to join me again anon. Thanks for listening.